Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we are in Colossians chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not taste, do not t- do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. So as we look at this text today, we first note this place called Laodicea. Laodicea is a city just a few miles away, uh, off to the northwest of where Colossa is. So two, three, four, five miles, something like that on a map. Just a short little trip. So another Christian church, two Christian churches that are nearby, um, being really discussed together here. Paul wishes to encourage both. With that whole section, Paul is known, and he wants to use his struggles, what he has endured for 
sharing the gospel as a means of encouragement. So as he is struggling, as he is suffering for the good news, it is good for other Christians to do this as well, to suffer in order to share the good news with others. Verse 4, deluded by plausible arguments, the false teachings that will come against your faith may indeed sound logical. They might even sound good. Paul warns elsewhere about itching ears, that people will no longer want to hear sound truth. They'll want to hear whatever it is that they they want to hear. Um, So there's a lot of danger. And he's going to talk more about that possible delusion, that argument coming up near the end of the chapter. Verse 5 Paul states it as he's absent in body, he's with them in spirit. And really, the Christian church operates this way quite a bit when you stop and think about it. I mean, the estimate is there's about a third, maybe 30% of the world is Christian today, 7.7 billion people. That gives you over 2 billion Christians on the earth. I sure hope that's true. I mean, that's, that would be fantastic. That's wonderful good news. Uh, for the church to be that large, if it is indeed reality. But how many of those two-something billion people do you know? Not many. I don't. So I am not with them bodily, but I am with them in spirit. They're my family. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ, just as you are on the other end of this podcast. You may know me. We may know each other personally. Maybe we don't. But I'm with you in spirit, even if I can't be with you in person. We're a family, and I'm thankful for it. As we move into the next section, essentially, stand firm. Don't sway. Stay in what you've been given. Stay in what you've been taught three times. Twice in verse 6, once in verse 7. As you receive Jesus, so walk in Jesus, just as you were taught. Stay with what you've got. Paul says this several times in his writings. What you have, what you've already heard preached to you, is enough. It's good. You're, you're, you're set. You don't need new. You don't need new revelations. You're good. Verse 7, we are rooted and built up in him. That is in Jesus. That's kind of a plant illustration. You think of being rooted. We get our all of our nutrients from, from Jesus. What, what provides for us, what nourishes our faith comes from Jesus. So as Christians, we start to think about hearing his word. We start to think about receiving his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. These things nourish our faith. They help us to grow. Um, in our in our understanding, but also in our trust in his promises and in our love for one another. Verse 8 is going to give them that warning again. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, human tradition. Note, takes you captive. That's really the same. Stand firm. If you're standing firm, they can't take you. To take you implies that they're removing you from the spot that you were. You're in the faith already. Don't let them take you captive. Verse 9 gives us some good uh, Christology. So does verse 10. 
Jesus is fully God. The fullness of the deity dwells in him bodily. One of the things we can ask our children here, we asked yesterday, what, what was Paul's job? What's Jesus' job? We talk about him as the Savior who died on the cross and rose again. What's he up to now? That's a great conversation to have together as a family. Um, and we see part of it here, that he is the head. He fills us. He nourishes us. He is all rule and authority. Jesus is king over heaven and earth. He cares for everything. That's his job. And we're so thankful for him. Verse 11 through 13, I'm going to bring up this topic of circumcision. I get asked a bit um, about this idea of, well, Pastor, when we get to hard conversations, should we have those with our children? I would encourage you, yes, you should. You're the parent, though. That There's some flexibility there. Whatever you feel comfortable in discussing, I would suggest you read the text to your children. And if they ask you about it, you probably have the conversation. That'll look a little different with a boy and a girl. It'll look a little different with a, a 15-year-old uh, or a, a 5-year-old. So have the conversation as, as well as you're comfortable having it. But these are important conversations. Circumcision was the entry point into the Old Covenant. All of the Old Testament people, if they wanted to be a, a follower of God, they must be circumcised. And in the New Testament, the circumcision is replaced. The New Covenant is now baptism that is the entry point into that. Uh, and so... We have this conversation about circumcision here. We have it in Galatians, as that was their big trouble that they were struggling with. And we get this idea in general that circumcision was of the flesh, but now we have been circumcised in the heart. So that's the circumcision made without hands. The circumcision of Christ is of our heart as we've been baptized, which is what Paul then goes on to say in verse 12 having been baptized, buried with him in baptism, you're buried and raised with him. That reflects the great conversation in Romans 6, which is more probably more well-known than this section is. Um, but they're parallels. They say the same thing. Verse 13, you were dead in your trespasses, so in your sins, and in your uncircumcision, because that meant you weren't part of the family of God. But now God has made you alive together with him through baptism. You're alive. You're forgiven. Your debt has been canceled. There's a money analogy for you. Um, that could be helpful. Many understand money quite well. And so to have that analogy may be beneficial. Your debt, everything that you owed, your student loans, your house, your mortgage, you know, your credit cards, your auto, whatever debts you have, which for some total hundreds of thousands of dollars, suddenly wiped out, gone. You're free. You were drowning in that debt and now it has no hold over you any longer. That's the picture here. You were drowning in the debt of your sin. You could not survive it on your own. You weren't going to make it. And then suddenly it got canceled, gone. 
taken away from you and nailed to the cross. Wonderful common language that we get to hear in our preaching, that your sins were nailed to the cross, that Christ bore your sins for you. The latter section is going to start to get into what it is. What is the heresy? What is the false teaching that is so enticing to the Colossian Christians? And it it sounds like it's simple. I shouldn't say it that way. Like it's simply Jewish teaching. Uh, the regulations regarding food and drink, festivals, new moons, Sabbaths. Those are Jewish Old Testament traditions. So we just talked about Old Testament circumcision. Now we're talking about Old Testament laws. The need to keep the laws of the Old Testament in order to be saved. That's what this is sounding like. Now maybe there's more to it than that, but that's the brief picture that we're getting here. These are a shadow of the things to come. Think about that. On a, on a day where it's near sunset, so the shadows are nice and long, and a family member is walking down the street, Maybe grandma or grandpa is walking over to the house to come and pay you a visit. Or your friend is walking down the street. What's better, the shadow or when they actually get there 30 seconds later? It's when they get there and you hug or you play or you do whatever it is that you were going to do. The person coming is better than the shadow. The Old Testament law pointed you forward to Jesus. Now that Jesus has come, the Old Testament law is just that shadow. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. Christ has accomplished everything, and he's done it for you. That's the picture Paul is painting here. And then he goes on in 18 to talk about other things that they're, they're using. So asceticism, which is self-discipline and avoiding pleasure. So basically really rigorous um, lifestyle requirements of yourself. You can think of monks. Um, that's called monasticism. Not quite the same but the ascetic way of life was done by some monasteries. Worship of angels should sound a little bit weird. Details about visions, those kinds of things. These are all other false teachings that might have misled them, that people were trying to disqualify them from the faith. But verse 19 is the key. Don't let these people who aren't holding fast to the head do this to you. The head is Jesus. And it is from Jesus, again, verse 19, that the whole body is nourished and knit together. That goes back to verse 7, that we were rooted and built up in him. Everything that we have comes from Christ. We are the body of Christ. So like Paul's other sections, don't let the hand say to the eye, I have no need of you. The body is the body, and we are all members of that same body together. Verse 20, if you've died with Christ, why do you still submit? a great question. Why do you still submit to these, these old things that Christ died to do away with? Christ died to do away with your sin. Christ died to, do, to, to fulfill these laws for you. Christ died so that death no longer has a hold of you. Why do you submit? They are of no value. You can discipline your body all you want. It's not going to help your faith. It's not going to earn you anything before God. We discipline ourselves in the season of Lent in hopes that 
we would spend more time in God's word, more time serving our neighbors, those kinds of things. We give stuff up in Lent so that we have more availability for the things that are important, truly important, loving God and loving our neighbor. Another question we can ask our kids on this one, what does Paul mean in verse 20 when he says, as if you were still alive in the world? This goes back to verse 12, that in your baptism you have been buried with Christ. You're dead. You were dead in your trespasses, verse 13. And you've been given new life in Christ. You are no longer a citizen of this world. You are no longer living in this world. You are alive only in Christ. Christ is your head. You are his body. Not this world. It's a really interesting thing to explore together, but it's a common, common theme in our New Testament.